The work hours for a professional working in athletics can fluctuate. That is why the University of Cincinnati Online designed a Master of Sports Administration program that is both flexible and 100% online. Connect and build relationships with other students, alumni working in athletics, and their experienced staff. The best part? You can graduate in as little as one year. Unsure about going back to school? UC Online has a team of student success coordinators ready to guide you from start to graduation. Reach out today and learn more about UC Online. Go to online.uc.edu. Look under master's programs and find the master in sport administration. One more time, go to online.uc.edu. Look under master's programs and then find the master of sport administration. All of the problems, all of the hiccups, they are exactly the same. There's just a lot more zeros at the end of everything. After the Red Sox internship, I said, all right, I want to get the sales experience I hear about. And um, it really shaped what I do and how I do it um, still to this day. You're probably not going to be the best, but there's absolutely no excuse in the world for you not to be the hardest working person out there. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. As a manager, when you hire a new team member, you have an organized onboarding process, a step-by-step process to get everything in order for them to be successful. Technology checklists, IT checklists, job training, etc., etc., etc. You want to ramp people up to be ready to contribute sets them up for a positive work experience. It's the right way to do business. When you go to a sporting event, you may not realize it, but there is a dedicated staff onboarding you into their experience. I call it the street to seat experience. Just kidding. I stole that phrase from today's guest, Sam Fisher, stadium experience manager for the Tennessee Titans. I just really like that phrase. It encapsulated her job so well, and I'm borrowing it here to set the stage. From the moment a fan comes in from the street and gets to their seat, they make sure it all runs wonderfully, her and her team. From parking to security to concourses and concessions. When you go to a sporting event, you probably don't spend much time considering the entire fan experience, but maybe you should. The job of maintaining and organizing a positive fan onboarding experience is a massive process that leads directly to the success of an organization. Positive experience? fans come back. Bad experience, fans post on social complaining about the long lines and security, the truce of bag check, and the annoying guy selling pretzels on the concourse. Stadium experience is a fundamental part of the business of sports. So let's learn more from Tennessee Titans, stadium experience manager and former assistant GM of the Asheville Tourists, I love minor league baseball, Sam Fisher. Hey, Sam, how are you? Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. This is so cool. This is an area of the industry we haven't delved a lot of time into. And I also, when I look at your background, I get really excited about a lot of your experience in minor league baseball. So we have a lot to talk about today. So thanks. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, let's dive into the minor league baseball stuff a little bit. For decades, I've been advising people. It's one of the best places to intern, to start your career, to really start to build up your profile because you get exposed to so much. While at Coastal Carolina doing your undergrad, you interned with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, which to me sounds like the greatest internship ever. I mean, (laughs) summertime, baseball, Myrtle Beach, not bad. Um, 
what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, that was probably like the first time I really got to sink my teeth into working in sports. Um, And it was, I mean, I learned a lot right off the bat, like there are long days, long hours. It's It's a lot of hard work. Everything is hands on top to bottom. So you know, you're, you're pulling tarp, but you're pulling tarp next to the GM. So it's like everybody, it's like this all hands on deck experience, which I really loved because it really truly shaped a lot of like how I lead today, I I think. Um, But it was just fun too. Like there are no rules, (laughs) you know, you can, that's, that's kind of one of the fun, unique things about minor league baseball. Um, And it was just, it was a really great learning experience, met a lot of great people and I had so much fun. Um, actually just recently, my mom was talking about how I sent her a picture during that internship and it was a picture of me in like a crab suit because we did this, you know, in-game like crab race around the bases. And my mom, <laughs> my mom says now, you know, back then she was probably like, Oh, great picture. Yeah. She says now she was like, I was petrified. Like, what did this, what is she doing this summer? Like, what is this career path she's on? What's <laughs> <laughs> the career path? Like she was like, I was petrified. Like it worked out, but. <laughs> it's amazing how many parents, when they find out their kid wants to work in sports is like, that's not really a thing, right? <laughs> like no, mm-hmm. nobody seems to believe it. And they see you like dressed up as a mascot or <laughs> doing something random. And they're like, yeah, this isn't a future. Yeah. They're like, we might need to reevaluate this path. <laughs> yeah, we need to have a talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you you kind of hit the nail on the head there too. It's like in the minors, you do a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Did this help you start to discover where your interests lie or what you weren't interested? Like give you a little bit of clarity in your career path? Yeah. You know, I really like ever since I, I grew up um, right outside New York City in New Jersey and I grew up going to tons of sporting events because there's so yeah. many to go to up there, you know? And I remember always being really focused on not just the game, but like what was going on around me? Like how was, who opened the doors that day? You know, like how did the lights turn on? Who's speaking over the PA system? Like I just had a lot of questions and that always really stuck with me. And then when I worked for the Pelicans, like that all started to come together, of course, because now I'm, I'm more so on like behind the scenes, but I just really loved that you kind of had got, as you put it, you got to have your hand in a little bit of everything. Like you got experience in everything. So um, that started to shape how I not just viewed myself working in sports, but like I recognized that there were all these different verticals within sports that I just never knew existed. And it, it made me hungry to learn. Yeah. It's super cool. I think so many people, when they get their eyes open to the potentials of the industry and realize that it's just another business, with right. a prettier envelope and packaging, you know, right? Yep. That there's so many different opportunities you can get into. And you never see the games the same way. I always joke about how mm-hmm. when I first broke into the media, in the sports media, and I was an editor and I was doing highlights. And like, then I couldn't watch TV the same way because I always was seeing like edits and things of that nature. Yep. I talked to people in partnership activation. They're like, I just look at the, you know, the all the different sponsors around an arena when I watch sports now. It totally changes your way of absorbing sports. Oh. Oh, I'm like at the beginning of a baseball game. Like I've got my watch out and I'm like looking at the seconds. I'm like, this national anthem better yeah, come soon. National anthem, let's go. <laughs> it's impossible to not think that way anymore. <laughs> it is. It changes your entire perspective. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you also did an internship with my hometown team, the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. It was in game presentation, game day presentation and administration. So clearly you're getting a little bit of focus here, which is cool. But what were the main differences of those experiences? I mean, in the minors versus the pros, I would imagine 
pretty different experience? Yeah, I mean, it was very similar and very different in in multiple ways. So the the problems and the people are all the same. You know, it's just on a different scale where, you know, you were dealing with 6,000 people. Now you're dealing with 16,000 people. So like to that point, there were a lot of similarities. And then the differences really came where like everything. And, you know, I just talked, joked about being on time for the national anthem. You're so you're on such a, like a regimented schedule um, from a time perspective during those games. Like even though baseball doesn't have a clock, like there was, there's always a clock for you. And um, so it was just really interesting to get more into, you know, like a distinct timeline. Yeah. And then I, I, most games I was running around with a um, nesting camera and Mm -hmm. getting different shots and um, getting people on the video board and, and this and that. And it's just, like there's no margin for error um, and there's, you can't be late. Um, yeah. And that's really hard when you're running around a stadium that doesn't connect 360 and it's 110 degrees in Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and this, I mean, I felt like I was, I was dying doing that. And then this guy's got a camera on him. I was like, <laughs> but I started carrying like water bottles in my backpack for him. So yeah. anyway, like there's just, I think timing was the most interesting piece of it to me mm-hmm. and how much stricter that got. Cause I had already kind of thought it was a little strict. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then it's just like the scale is different. That was right after they won the 2013 world series. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, everyone's excited. Yo, like, media coverage is crazy. Everyone's it, there. I mean, practices were yeah. packed. You know, you, yeah. I couldn't get through to do my job. And I'm like, this is just a practice. Like yeah. half the time these guys are like, kind of like, hitting fungo bats on the ground and like like it's sold out show for that and people are eating it up they're like oh my gosh <laughs> so it, it, that was kind of like a my first touch of like seeing i mean i was a fan but i wasn't a fan to that level so that was my yeah. first kind of interaction with your loud yeah. and proud fans <laughs> did you did you immediately get drawn to that urgency that having to be on time that running around a little bit because i do think that's one of the things about the sports industry is that a lot of us are drawn to that energy and excitement. Was that something that kind of drew you in? Yeah. I mean, I, I have a high sense of urgency, like naturally that might be like Same. a product of growing up in New Jersey. I don't know, but I'm just like Boston. Yep. Yeah. I think it's a Northeast <laughs> thing or an East coast <laughs> thing or something. I get you. Yeah. So I like naturally have a high sense of urgency. So yeah, I, I do think that plays into probably something that's a little bit more of a, a skill for me is, you know, ha- not only having that high urgency, but like figuring out because it's live entertainment, right? So anything can go wrong at yeah. any point. And like, how do we roll with the punches? How do we, something might go wrong, but how do we not let everybody know that something went wrong? So there's also like that problem solving piece that I think comes into play as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, I feel like I'm running all game, every game, no matter what my job is. <laughs> the, the second stop of my career was in Seattle and going from an East Coast guy and an East Coast mentality to Seattle mm-hmm. where everybody was really chill and was like, why is this guy so intense? It was oh. just very eye-opening to me. And I loved being in Seattle. But at the same time, I was like, I was like a fish out of water for the first year, you know, because I was just yeah. like crazy running around, urgent guy. And they were like, chill out yeah. man <laughs> i know i i always joke because i was like people would be like you walk way too fast like you need to slow <laughs> down you're gonna knock someone over 
<laughs> That's the gig. I love it though. Yeah. Um, okay. So what was it then about, I mean, I know we've talked about that urgency and, and some of that, but what was it about game presentation? Like the total package that really drew you in and made you say, this is what I want to pursue in my career. I, I, it really does go back to just being on time. Like you have a, every, every single hour has a goal, you know, every single inning has a goal. And I like being able to kind of like check things off the box. And so I think that was just good for, for like me personally and, and what I'm drawn to was being able to kind of like check things off the box as I went along. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I also really loved like, again, the live entertainment piece, but like there aren't a lot of, there's not a lot of room for error. You know, if something goes wrong, you either have to quickly fix it or everybody knows. So there's just that problem, like, again, that problem solving piece that, that I just really loved. And then of course on the back end, like I loved all the scheduling and I liked auditions for things and, you know, building out, you know, an energy team to kind of make all the activations happen. So there are a lot of pieces of it that piqued my interest. Yeah, it kind of embodies what sports is, is that entertainment side of it and that mm-hmm. like just that energy and everything. I can see why it would be a, a massive draw. So after the Red Sox, you end up getting, you've got some career perspective now. You've got your thoughts in mind of where you want to go, but you get your first full job, uh, full-time job in sales with the Asheville mm-hmm. Tourists back in minor league baseball. How important is that concept of staying flexible in your career path and knowing that, you know, this might be my ultimate goal over here, but this is where my opportunity is right now. So I'm going to go attack it. Yeah. You know, when I was, um, I, when I was interning for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, um, I also babysat a little bit on the side, you know, I was an intern and mm-hmm. I babysat for our general manager who at the time was um, Andy Milovich. And um, one of the nights, like before I was, you know, getting ready to leave, he was like, Sam, you know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And he was like, well, if I could give you any piece of advice, he was like, I would learn sales. He was like, maybe sales is the one you want to do for the rest of your life, but you will sell for the rest of your life in some capacity. You know, you might be selling tickets. You might be selling yourself for a role. You might be selling a role to someone you're interviewing. Like sales will stay with you forever, especially if you stay in this industry. So that, you know, that's my advice. Great advice. So after the Red Sox internship, I said, all right, I, I want to get the sales experience I hear about. Yeah. Um, and I, I sold a little, some tickets for Coastal Carolina's football office. So I had a little bit of experience on the phone, but mostly it was like, here's a list of people to call. So mm-hmm. this was the first time I was diving into, you know, finding my own leads, prospecting and just picking up the phone and hammering out, you know, calls every single day. And um, it was hands down the best decision I've ever made. It really shaped, it really shaped what I do and how I do it um, still to this day. So I loved it, but I mean, I hate saying it's an easy way to get your foot in the door because sales isn't easy. Definitely not easy, but it's yeah, I get easy. it. Like you, yeah. It's not an easy way to get your foot in the door, but there are a lot of sales jobs. So that's why people say that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a great kind of like what Andy told me, it's just a great skill set to learn because you're going to use it for the rest of your life. So I certainly always encourage people to, to try it out. Um, but to, you know, back to, I guess the original point of your question is how important is it to be flexible? I mean, had I not, you know, gotten sales experience, I, I truly don't think I'd be where I am now. Um, so I think being able to step outside the box and try something new is, is really important, especially in this industry. Revenue generation makes all worlds go round. Like, yes, the sports <laughs> industry, but every industry revolves around the revenue they're able to generate. And that's what sales is. And so I mm-hmm. don't have a background in sales, but I completely value how it raises the ceiling of somebody's career. Like everything becomes in play 
if you have that sales element to you. And I totally agree with the advice that you got was that experience can just, it, it's, a, it's a proof of concept on your resume too, where somebody can say, okay, she knows how to generate revenue. She knows how to do these things. She knows how to take this step. That's part of almost every job you're ever going to do. Uh, so it's, it's so mm-hmm. smart that you got that. So a few years into your time with the Asheville Tourist, you were there for seven years total. A few years into your time there, you decided to go back and get your master's at NC State. Why? Why that choice? You know, I would love to say that there was like this like barn burning moment where I was like, I'm going to go get my master's. This is part of the plan. But there really wasn't. <laughs> okay, um, good. <laughs> there really wasn't. I, a, a gentleman that I worked with my first year at the Taurus, he went through this, uh, the same program and he absolutely loved it and he raved about it. So there's always like a little bit of interest there. And then I, when I started to really get into, you know, that this is my first job out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just started to care more about learning. Yeah. Not, I don't want to say I never cared about learning, but I just, started to see the importance of it. Like I was reading sales books because I wanted to get better on the phones, you know, so just like started to see the importance of learning and how, you know, how much you set yourself up if you just continue to learn throughout your life. So, um, he, he had spoken to me at this, about this program before I really was just interested in learning. And I, uh, my, you know, I was first generation college student. So, you know, my parents are, are very, proud of the education that I have. And so I almost wanted to make them more proud. (laughs) Uh, I I know it seems like kind of like a silly roundabout way for why'd you go get a second degree? But I mean, there were really all these like little different pieces that kind of put the pie together. And um, so I just, I dove in and got my master's and it was the best decision that I could have made. Okay, expand on that. Why do you think it was the best decision? I'm not. I'm not being confrontational. I I agree with you. I'm sure it was yeah. a great decision. But like, why? Yeah. Why does it stand out to you as like this made the difference? I like. I wholeheartedly learned so much, and it completely shaped how I manage and lead people. That's so important. Yeah. And like it. It really, and I it just made me think outside the box. Situations I would have looked at like with tunnel vision. I started to look at you know, outside of what I could just see. Okay. Like, let me think big picture. How can all these different things interact to create some situation where I haven't even thought about yet? So it just, it really just broadened my thought process. Um, and I think about it all the time. Like I literally think about that program all the time. I think about those classes and I think about different professors that I had and what I learned and I use it to, shape how I work today. Yeah. And it's it's funny because when I was going through the program and it was a live it was online at night, but it was it was live class with, you know, 30 people and your professor, so like you had yeah. to raise your hand, like if you didn't read and they figured it out, they'd call you out on it. Yeah. Um and so I was using examples from work to, you know, when we were talking about different topics and lessons and now it's like the flip side and I use all these different things I learned in class to apply to work. So it's just been this really nice marriage of like, it, like experience and education. It makes so much sense because as I look back over my career, my first seven years were I was an individual contributor. Like I had certain tasks that I did. I was an editor. I was a producer. I was doing a specific show. And then the end of the day, it was done. And then my next step when I went out to Seattle, now all of a sudden I'm managing staff. I'm leading people. Mm-hmm. I'm managing budgets. I'm doing hiring and firing recommendations, tenant improvement, all these things that I was not prepared for it because I didn't have that 
broader perspective. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that business kind of background. And so the first year was like a, was a real struggle for me. So hearing you say that you learned so much about leading people and thinking about the business broader makes so much sense to me. And I can see that as something that would really raise your ceiling in the industry. Yeah. And it, I just, I noticed a difference from before, you know, I was in the program to after, which I guess is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, that's the hope, right? <laughs> that's, that's the hope. But I, I really just noticed such a difference and um, very thankful for the program. And they're just like, they're, they really keep an eye on you after you leave the program too, which yeah. is pretty cool. I got to say, I've had a lot of people tell me about why they went and got their master's. I think that might be the best answer yet. I'm no. being serious because a lot of times I've debated over my career. Like, I wonder if I should have gotten my, cause I never got my master's. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I should have gotten my master's and I've never really been convinced of it. But hearing you say that, I was like, yeah, that's a really good point. Like I probably <laughs> would have really benefited from that at some points. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Too late. No, well, I guess never too late, but whatever. Uh, you spent seven years with the tourists and you ascended to assistant general manager, which is super cool. During that time, you sold sponsorship deals, you created content, you ran social media, you developed in-game entertainment, you managed part-time staff, blah, 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 more, 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 more. Was it ever difficult to be responsible for so much? Did you ever feel like you were that jack-of-all-trades, master of none, I'm spread so thin, all these things are happening, am I good at really doing any of it? Because I deal with that challenge all the time, and I wonder if that felt like a heavy burden. Yeah, I mean, I, there were a lot of times it felt like I was, you know, drinking out of a fire hose yeah there you know especially after covid when we went through some furloughs and layoffs where like your plate kind of got bigger uh, and bigger (laughs) without you really having any control over it which was kind of the theme for everybody Mm -hmm. um but uh, loss of control. That was yeah, that was definitely the theme. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I mean there were certainly times where I felt like I, you know, didn't have enough time, or I was staying up till three o'clock in the morning to try and figure out how to get stuff done. Or, um, but I, you know, ultimately I learned how to delegate. Like this is why you have, you know, this is why you lead people. This is why you have interns. Like yep. I, I certainly in the beginning I, you know. I wanted to do everything really, really well. And I didn't think that that would happen if I didn't do it, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a very narrow thought. And then I realized like, no, these people are more than capable, <laughs> you know, start delegating, start figuring out how to, to hand things off um, and what to hand off and what not to hand off. Cause those are also two different things. Yep. Um, and, but there Yes, there were definitely times where it was uh, it was a lot, and I was like, "Oh my god, I feel like I'm doing everything pretty good, but I'm not doing anything great." Like, where how where does that shift come, and you know, how do I how do I figure out how to like hone in on some different different paths and kind of let go of some others? Um, I, I think that probably also just comes with the space of minor league baseball because we are, you know, we have small staffs and. Yep. Um, there's long hours, there's a lot to get done and you're running a, you're running a business, but yeah, I mean, certainly some tough times there. (laughs) That is definitely one of those hardest moments to get past the idea that you have to be able to be good at delegating and to Mm -hmm. give off assignments and to trust other people. Like that's one of those hard things to get to in your career where you feel like you can, and it's not about them. It's about you, right? Right. Like I, I don't, I don't trust myself to give it to somebody else or whatever. And you have to get right. over that mentality. And that can be that can be tough, but that's part of the leadership growth as well. Last year, you made the jump from minor league baseball to the pros. Congratulations. Now you're with the Tennessee Titans as stadium experience manager. Were there any initial kind of aha moments when you went from this minor league experience, like you said, smaller staff, 
smaller attendance each night, still major expectations. But now you're jumping to the NFL, big boys. Like, what was that like? You know, I, I kind of had felt, I, I've been in Nashville for seven years, right out of college. And I, I just kind of felt like I was hitting probably the ceiling of, of what I could do and still be challenged. Um, and so, you know, made this jump and I was on the phone with the Tennessee Titans um, VP of business operations. He was the GM uh, for a minor league baseball team. So that's okay. kind of the connection there. That helps. So this is before I applied. And I just said, listen, I just want to pick your brain. What's the jump been like? How are you feeling? You know? Yeah. And he was like, all the problems are the same. There's just a lot more zeros at the end of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's so good. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And should I go through the, the process? And, um, you know, he was absolutely right. All of, all of the problems, all of the hiccups, they are exactly the same. They're just... They just look bigger because yeah. everything looks bigger. Um, but it's so it's been really great. I I think that one of the best things I could have done was work in minor league baseball and learn all these different verticals, you know, sponsorship, ticket sales, box office, I mean stadium operations. There's a lot of stadium operations I did for the yeah. tourists. Learn all these different verticals and how they interact because now here I am in a job where Yes, I'm more departmentalized, but I understand how other departments operate and operate with each other. So I feel like it it breeds good communication because sometimes that can be tough. You know, you've got 200 employees. What's that line of communication look like? So I think in that respect, the best thing that minor league baseball could have set me up for was learning these verticals and how to communicate with each other. Yeah, that communication with 200, uh, 200 my goodness. Okay, so... <laughs> How would you describe the role now? Stadium, like you said, slightly more siloed maybe, but still mm -hmm. having to work very cross-functionally, a lot of things to try to accomplish on game day. How would you describe the major functions of your role as stadium experience manager? It's so funny. There's always like, the hardest question for, for whatever right, reason. because there's no two days the same and yeah. like, the job what is whatever he's doing. I get it. Uh, um, <laughs> I really describe my role as like, the street to seat experience for a fan. I like that. That's so, good. I, I can't. I can't take credit for it. That you was should. my boyfriend. Just take credit for it. Nobody's gonna know. It's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, you know, anything that you experience as a fan, you know, coming into Nissan Stadium while you're at Nissan Stadium, and then when you exit. Um, so I mean, because you you know how it is. You go to a stadium. You stand in line at security for 30 minutes. You're already kind of in a bad mood when you get inside because yep. you just stood in line at security for 30 minutes. So taking different pieces like that, improving them and making the fan experience better so that you don't realize that you went through security. You know, it was so quick. It was so easy. Everyone was so friendly. Um, so that's a large piece of it. Parking, security, food and beverage, wayfinding throughout the stadium. Was it easy to find your section? And these are like all these different pieces that you sometimes you don't realize that you deal with. And that's usually because they're good. But as soon as they're bad, you know, everybody wants to yeah. let you know. And, um, and then another piece of it is we oversee, um, I oversee our internal guest services group, which is about a hundred people right now. Wow. Um, and then work hand in hand with some of our third party vendors, like, uh, best event management, um, apex security. So there's a lot of, a lot of different crossover, but, um, it's really great. I, I, I love it. I think the most challenging, but rewarding moment in the world is when someone has had the worst experience of their life and you somehow make it better. And then you yeah. also get them to come back. 
Um, so Good that's, feeling. that's what I, that's what I love. Obviously I never want anybody to have the worst experience in the world, but to be able to turn something like that around, mm-hmm. um, is, is, a, a welcome challenge. Yeah, it's a pretty powerful moment. How much does technology, I was just thinking of this as you were talking, how much does technology start to play an emerging role in this as we deal with paperless ticketing and different ways of mm-hmm. like smoothing out a lot of these processes? Uh, is that something you have to always keep your eye on? Are the, the new technologies yeah. and advancements? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something we always kind of have our finger on. Um, this past September, we Brought, uh, have you heard of Evolve Security? Yes. Um, so it's contactless security. Yeah. So you don't get your bag checked. You you walk through these like two towers basically, and there's different TVs with camera ang- angles on them, and it just yeah. I, I I'll be honest, I'm not very tech savvy in this way, so I'm not sure if it like scans your body for like density points or something like that. But like if something resembles a gun, it's yeah. going to go off and it's going to say, okay, you need to pull this person to the side. So people don't even realize they're walking through security. Yeah. And it's so, it's so funny. We've actually gotten like a couple complaints. Like there was no security. Yeah. Why don't you have security? Gun. Yeah. And our I'm like, security is so good. You don't even know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's just been, it's been really cool to see, like to see the Titans bring in that type of technology and be one of the first ones to do it. And it's, I mean, we have virtually no line at security. It's incredible. I just think it's great how teams invest in the fan experience so much because I think when I was coming up and growing up as a sports fan, I mean, the facilities were old. There were like Mm -hmm. steel benches. You'd wait in line for everything. And if you love your team, you were fine with it and you dealt with it. But once things improved, you were like, oh my gosh, this is so much more fun now. Right. Well, I think too, the fan experience used to just used to fall heavily on like the entertainment side of it. Um, and then it all, but it also fell on us a lot, like yeah. just figure out how to make the lines go quicker, you know? And th- there's a certain point, it's kind of like traffic. It's yeah. going to build up if there's just a volume, high volume of, of right. people. I still think that we are creative people, you know, finding mm-hmm. solutions to things, but I think it's also really great that we're utilizing technology to make our lives easier. Yeah. I think the thing I really like about a lot of the modern stadiums that I've started to see recently, I'm thinking like Mercedes-Benz down in Atlanta and a couple other stadiums that I've been to is that they're taking this broader approach to the experience of game day too, where it's not just we expect you to show up, sit your butt in a seat and watch the game for three hours. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of different entertainment parts throughout the stadium and it's almost like a full day event. And it's almost right. like so many different ways you can be entertained and engaged and see the game differently, but also do other things. And it's just making it seem much more like a, a bigger thing, like an entire, like not just the game. It's just the experience <laughs> gets bigger. Yeah. I, something really cool that the Titans do, which, you know, I saw my first game here was, and um, they're, you know, we're in music city. So there are musicians with a, a speaker and a chair all around the outside of the stadium. Oh, that's cool. And I just think that's like a really nice touch. And then there, we also do like a pregame tailgate where there's, you know, a concert going on and different activations. And it's just, I mean, people get there early because they want right. to take part in those things. And then when people get there early, they start spending money early. So it's how it, the world works. It's how the world works. But <laughs> I just think it's really, really neat that it's, it's more of a full experience and not just what happens on the field. What's game day like for you? I mean, are, is most of your work done leading up to and then game day is different or are you very active on game day as well? Uh, very active on game day. So 
you know, obviously from like a scheduling perspective and a staff perspective, we're, we're buttoned up before we get there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I get in, we've got a, a 12 o'clock game it's right on central time. Um, you know, I'm usually in here at about 5 a.m. and I start walking the stadium looking for anything and everything that, you know, could be wrong with the place. Um, is there a light out in a bathroom? Did, you know, trash not get pulled from the last event? Like anything and everything. That's what I'm walking around. Are our ADA rows set up properly? So it's almost like an audit, like a pregame yeah. audit. Um, and that, that takes, that takes a couple hours. It's a big stadium. You get your steps it's, in for sure. <laughs> Oh, I'm like nobody <laughs> miles a day are you walking? in steps. <laughs> I actually like sometimes strategically take the ramps down just because I want to like throw a few on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get a little bit of multitasking in here. Yeah. So yeah. that that really takes up like a lot of my my pregame, but you know, then I go like when I'm done with the stadium, I go drive the parking lots and like make sure there there's no glass on the ground or there's no trash everywhere because we are downtown and things yeah. happen and um, so th- there's, it's a lot, game day is a lot of like making sure that this place is in the best shape it could be to open gates. And then once gates open, it's a lot of troubleshooting, yeah. um, you know, a fight in this section or, uh, you know, someone using in bad language in this section. Um, so it, it's just, it kind of varies, but it's, it's really fun. <laughs> You know what? I personally think too the best leaders because you're 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 a leader of people, and yet you're out there doing the work yourself too. And I do think that's an important thing is to show yourself as a leader, willing to, you know, get your get your hands a little bit dirty, get out there, see what's happening, and really report back. And I think the people respect that. So I think that's a, a massive step on for you in in terms of your leadership style. I think that a lot of people probably really resonate with that. Um, We'll finish up with this because you've given me so much time and I know it's Monday for you and it's you got a big schedule ahead of you, but um, I really appreciate you, you diving in and getting into this conversation with us. As you think back over your career thus far, you've probably had lots of pieces of advice. You talked earlier about the person who advised you about getting into sales, which mm-hmm. has propelled your career in a lot of ways. What other pieces of advice stand out to you and what would you share with somebody else who is trying to enter into the sports industry as just key things that you've learned that you think can propel people towards success? I would say... Obviously, the sales piece that I mentioned earlier is always a big one for me, but just being a lifelong learner, like caring enough to like craft your skill, whatever your skill set is, like caring enough to continue to learn about it, you know, never, never taking the approach that you know every everything about it. There's always a book or a podcast or something that can tell you something that you never heard. And then this, this one, like I used to always tell my interns this, but this was actually like a high school softball coach told me this. Great. Um, so this is taking it, taking it way back, but I had, I had just gotten knee surgery and he came to my house to visit me and, you know, cause I'm sure he knew I was down in the dumps and he was like, listen, you're, you're going to be okay. You're going to go to physical therapy and you're going to play softball again. He's like, but here's what you have to know. You're probably not going to be the best. You know, you're, you're probably not going to be able to dive like you used to or run like you used to or turn the bases like you used to. He's like, but there's absolutely no excuse in the world for you not to be the hardest working person out there. And it's just this like, because it, it kind of like knocked you down, but also like, oh, okay, like I'll show you and I will be the hardest working person and I will be back out there. Um, and it, I don't know, it was just this piece of advice that always stuck with me. And I thought about it all the time when I started in sales and I was like, I'm not selling the most right now. Like I'm not making the most calls right now, but like, why? 
you know? And so I just started to work harder and harder at it. And then, you know, I, I was making the most sales and I was making the most calls and all of those things were kind of, you know, equaling out the way I had hoped to from the start. So um, long-winded way of saying that nobody should ever outwork you, but. No, it's not long-winded at all. It's perfect. I remember thinking very similarly when I first started my career, there were people there from bigger programs in Syracuse and from mm-hmm. Indiana and all these great schools doing in the, in the sports media world. And they came from ESPN and they came from all these other places. And I, at first, the first two months, I was like, everybody's so much better than I am. Right. And then it was like, it clicked for me. It was like, but I can outwork them. Right. And that was that's sometimes how you build your personal brand too, is just mm-hmm. being a little more willing or a little bit harder working is how you start to build a reputation in what is a pretty small industry. A lot of oh, people yeah. know each other. So oh, yeah. <laughs> fabulous advice, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on. It's such a great conversation. Thanks. I enjoyed getting to know you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This is a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you to Sam for coming on the show. What a cool conversation to get into because I know for myself, I don't always think about facility management. I don't always think about the stadium experience. I'm used to going to sporting events and showing up and having a good time and enjoying the game, but I don't always think about all those steps and processes that need to be managed. And the fact that Sam manages such a massive staff of seasonal and part-time employees and processes to make the fan experience run smoothly, she has such an impact on the success of the event. And that's a really cool career path to consider that all of you should take a look at. Maybe this is your path. Maybe this style of organizing and managing and process and workflow is exactly suited for you because it is more technological than you may think. And there is more creative solutions and problem solving involved. Thank you to Sam for coming on the show. Please everybody rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. We want to continue to grow and you guys are all instrumental to that. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Sam. And we'll see you next week.